and do kind of an addendum to the sermon last week when we dealt with returning to God. So this is going to be kind of a, an addendum to that and just building on that. But I want to focus on uh, the blessings of Abraham and kind of explain a few things. So I want everybody just to agree with me in prayer and give me your best here. Again, this is going to be shorter, but I feel the content's very important. So I want to make sure and really bring this home. So Lord, I thank you tonight for this word. I thank you for really speaking through me tonight under an anointing that even now the Holy Spirit is moving upon every one of us to give you our best ear, our full attention, our focus that we're locked in. The Word of God is so powerful, a double-edged sword to pierce into the places it needs to go. I thank you for your Word going into our hearts as living seeds of truth sown into good soil, watered by the Holy Spirit, take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains till Jesus comes. Lord, let there be a renewing of the mind, a washing of the water of the word, and a conviction that needs to be there in all of us. I thank you, Lord, for the wind of your spirit carrying this out among the nations. It'll get where it need to, needs to accomplish what needs to. And the birds of the air try to steal the sea, but we agree together. And anything of the enemy that would try to hinder this word, we commit to be bound in Jesus' name. You will back off right now. And we thank you, Lord, for your mighty angels just clearing away any resistance. And, Lord, this will go forth and accomplish. The Bible says your word will not return void, but it will go forth and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. So, Lord, we thank you for hearing and answering the, the prayers over this word tonight. We expect it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so when you look at the scriptures, the Bible says in Galatians 3.13, and, and Stephen, if you could turn that up a little bit, it's a little cold. I know it got a little warm in here earlier. But anyway, if you look at Galatians 3.13, the Bible says that God has delivered us from the curses under the law. So any influence or oppression of the enemy in your life, wherever the devil's been at work, that is a curse under the law. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain that a little more in depth here in a moment. And so there is a deliverance that Christ paid for. But just like anything Jesus paid for, it has to be received by faith. Amen? Jesus paid for sin and transgressions, iniquity for the world. I mean, it was paid for once and for all. But how many knows not everybody has accepted that? In the same way, Jesus' back was plowed open for our healing but not everybody has received. So everything that Jesus paid for is potentially there. It is in the blood covenant, but we've got to press in with faith to lay hold of it. And so in the same way, Jesus took every curse, every bondage, every oppression of the devil that was due us, things that we deserve, all that went on him on the cross, he became a curse for us, delivering it. It's the divine exchange. He took it on him we are delivered from it, and we move into the blessings given to Abraham. So if you read Deuteronomy 28 and Leviticus 26, which I encourage you to do over this next week, just kind of do a Bible study, it goes through all of these blessings for obedience, but it also lists curses for disobedience. And how many knows that the Lord has just set things in motion? You know, God isn't up there like some big boot you're just waiting for people to mess up so this big boot can drop on you and squish you. That's not God. God loves people. He sent Jesus to die for us, but there's certain principles that are simply set in motion. 
There are blessings for obedience, but there are curses for disobedience. How many knows what I'm saying? And just like, for example, there's a law of gravity. If you stand on the top of this building and you, and you decide to walk off of it, the law of gravity is going to take you down and you're going to hit the ground and wish that you respected the law of gravity. Amen? So God has given blessings for obedience, curses for disobedience, and whatever path we choose... We're go there's going to be consequences. Now, as you read over that, I'm not going to read all of it because it would take too long, but read Deuteronomy 28 on your own, Leviticus 26. Derek Prince did a phenomenal job of this, so I'm just going to use his teaching here. But he broke them down into categories, and he said there's nine categories of curses, and there's seven categories of blessings. I list them here. But in the Bible, nine is the number of judgment. And seven is the number of like perfection and completeness. I would say seven would be, I would say it this way, complete perfection. But nonetheless, nine is the number for judgment. And so here's the nine curses. Now, these are categories. So when you read Deuteronomy 28, Leviticus 26, you'll see different descriptive terms uh, that it's going through and it's talking about, uh, you know, unfruitfulness and all that. But here's the categories. Number one, that there would be humiliation. Number two, barrenness. Number three, unfruitfulness. Number four, mental or physical breakdown. Number five, family breakdown. That's like divorce and family alienation, all of that. Um, poverty or famine. Then defeat. The next one is oppression. The next one is failure. And finally, God's disfavor. Where those things are at work, those are curses for disobedience, but those are there because somebody is walking in disobedience to God's word. You understand? So a lot of times there's family generational curses that come, and you may see those curses on families manifesting itself through various types of, of diseases. You may see it with barrenness. You may see it with mental illness. Uh, you may see it where divorce and, and, and strife and family alienation, like family breakdown, or continual financial problems. I mean, it seems like they take two steps forward and do good for a short time just to take three steps back. And if there is a curse there, or defeat, or disfavor, if there's a curse at work, it's because somebody opened the door to the devil and walked in disobedience to God's word in that family. And it allowed a curse to come. But how many knows in Christ, if we really are his and we're his blood covenant people, we can bring that to the cross. And by the blood of Jesus, we can say, Lord, forgive us for these things. You can look into your family and repent of anything that's been there. And as you get it under the blood of Jesus, then by faith, everybody say by faith. You can, you can take authority that all curses and all that have to roll off you because it went on Jesus 2,000 years ago, and now you can move into the blessings given to Abraham, okay? So these are the curses under the law. Now, the blessings given to Abraham, there's descriptive terms like I'll bless the fruit of your ground, the fruit of your womb, and all these different terms, but Derek Prince broke it into seven categories. When there's a blessing... Now, let me say this. A blessing, a lot of people don't understand blessings. They think, for example, if somebody walks by you and says, God told me to give you this $100 bill, 
They say, well, that was God's blessing. Okay, I understand what they're saying. But the blessing of God is bigger than just that. The blessing of God is like this. Picture for a moment in the spirit realm that there's a blessing put on somebody and it's almost like a garment that they wear. And everywhere that they go and all that they do, that blessing on them causes things to work out in their favor. You see? In the same way, a curse is that just like that. It's like a dark cloud over a person. They can move from Texas to California, and that cloud will follow them until they deal with it. Everywhere they go, everything they do, it seems like something tries to make it not work out for them. How many knows the Lord took the curse? And we can be delivered from these things. So the blessings of God, a blessing upon somebody is like an investment from God that is put on you and you walk in that and the result of God's blessing on your life is this that they would here's the seven categories number one exaltation you know what the Bible says I'll make you the head not the tail top not the bottom you know how that works I've known people I could tell story after story that even though there was other people that maybe were more educated more qualified or whatever, it seemed like they got the promotion. God will bless somebody and it will cause them that they will see exaltation. And not just in the workplace, but even in the kingdom of God. If you'll humble yourself and God's blessings on you, God will raise you up in due time and exalt you. The second is health. This is where God will provide healing and health where you need it. There's testimonies after testimonies when you're the blessed of God of healings and miracles and health in your life. There's many people, God's, God's blessing is on them, and they can tell you stories of when they actually should have died, but somehow God delivered them from death. They can tell you stories of when they were sick and God raised them up out of their sickbed. That's the blessing of God on you. The next one is fruitfulness. Derek Prince coined a phrase, reproductiveness. But fruitfulness is where every area of your life is producing. I mean, obviously, you could look at this and say, okay, the, the ability to, to bear children and, and have children. I understand that. But also, I would say spiritual children, like that you're winning souls to the Lord. There's a fruitfulness about your life. And, and things that you're doing for God seem to be fruitful and productive. It's like this. You go out in a field and you plant a hundred seed of corn. If somebody's walking under a curse, they might get 20 seed that might produce. But the corn may be weak and anemic and some of it may be diseased. But somebody that's blessed will plant a hundred seed of corn and they will see a great harvest come up. It'll be fruitful and it will produce fruitfulness. Amen. Does that make sense? Another area, another category Derek brought out was prosperity. Prosperity is when you're walking in a place where you have more than enough. Now, some people take this to extremes. And they start talking about all these different things about, you know, all these uh, mansions and fancy cars and things like that. 
prosperity works like this. If you need $10 and you, you only have $8, you're struggling. If you need $10 and you got $10, you got just enough. But if you need $10 and you got 12, you're prospering. And then you can take the two extra dollars and you can ask the Lord what you want me to do with it. And then whatever, after you're obedient, then there'll be some left over for you too. Does this make sense? So prosperity is where you're not struggling. You're having more than enough. Another category is abundance. Now, this is different than prosperity because abundance, the Bible says that the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. And it talks about if you will be faithful in your tithes and offerings, he said, what? I will rebuke the devourer. I'll open the heavens and pour out more blessings than there's room enough to contain. So that's abundance. You know what that causes in the natural? Garage sales. You have abundance. You have to start giving things away. How many have ever had that before? We're like, well, I have too many things here. Is, is there anybody that needs this? Is there anybody that needs this, that, or the other? You know, and you start just giving things away, that's abundance. Another category is God's favor. How many want God's favor on your life? The favor of God will cause people to like you that normally wouldn't like you. It will cause situations that you're looking at a situation, you're going, man, I really need this to work out. God's favor on you will cause a person to look at you and say, I'm going to help you and we're going to get this thing done. The favor of God on your life. Amen? Isn't that awesome? So we need God's favor on our lives. The favor of God will turn situations and circumstances favorably for us. Also, the last category is supernatural victory over our enemies. In these last days, we're living in a time of spiritual warfare, and we need victory over our enemies out there, but we need supernatural victory. And I could give a lot of stories, but you remember Abraham, who was blessed in all things. These are the categories of the blessings given to Abraham. Abraham had a situation where Lot got captured by four kings and their militaries. And all Abraham had was him and his little family over here. And he had to take on four kings and their militaries. And yet Abraham, God was with him and gave him supernatural victory. There's so many stories in the Bible that we could look at. Like what about the story of Gideon? Supernatural victory. What about the story of the walls of Jericho? Supernatural victory. Hezekiah was in trouble. God sent an angel. Great victory. My point is this. You remember the story of David? When he was being attacked by the Philistines and the Lord told him, just wait here until you hear what the marching on the tops of the trees. And that will be my armies going before you then go. You know what that was? He heard the angels going before him. So I could give so many other examples, but my point is this. When the blessing of God is on you and you need victory, God will give you supernatural victory over your enemies. And that will come many times by angelic intervention, which I'm going to get to before I close. 
So as we look at the God of blood covenant tonight, and we're looking through this whole teaching that I'm doing, this revelation is so powerful. As I was saying earlier, we were with some friends of ours in Branson, and John Wesley is uh, John Davis's son, and we were hanging out with him and his wife in their cabin, and we were praying together. And as I was taking communion with them, and, and we were just praying, and I was talking about the God of blood covenant, yeah, remember Sandy all of a sudden what the presence of God came in that place so powerful so it's by faith that we have entered the blood covenant remember Jesus is the cross was where covenant was cut and as covenant was cut at the cross there was a piercing for our transgressions a bruising for our iniquity so part of the covenant is the forgiveness of sins but part of that covenant is what prosperity what is another part of that covenant healing by a stripes you're healed another part of the covenant deliverance everything jesus paid for on the cross covenant was cut but in the category of deliverance specifically galatians three thirteen says that he has delivered us from the curses of the law and moved us into the blessings given to abraham so there is a deliverance but there is a moving into a realm of blessings is this making sense so we have to get the enemy removed out of our lives and then we, by faith we begin to move into the blessings given to abraham and it's like by faith we have to understand that positionally speaking that we have walked through the bloody soil with abraham and received the same blessings that the bible says that we are the seed of abraham that we are we are sons and daughters of abraham and the blessings of Abraham are at work in our lives. This is all by faith. And I have found that as I take communion, I take it slowly. I usually get a bigger piece of matzah and some extra juice. And I, you know, go through all these different things. And I'm taking communion and I'm, I'm declaring these. I'm speaking this because by faith, I am justified, sanctified as holy. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And because of that, the enemy has no claim to me. By faith, I have left behind every curse and oppression and moved into blessings given to Abraham. And I go through them. I start talking about it. By faith, I have moved out of health and other healing issues into healing and health. By faith, I have transitioned. And also, by faith, angels will enforce God's purposes. And that's what I want to get to before I close with this. But as we walk through by faith, remind you that, it, that we have walked through the bloody soil with Abraham. I want you to think about this. Remember all the different examples I've given so far. When David brought the ark into Jerusalem, Brother Ralph talked about it. Every six steps, they shed blood. It was the ark came in on a trail of blood. The glory of God always comes where the blood is reverenced and applied focus on the blood that's what i was getting at earlier when we begin to take communion there with our friends in branson we began to to reverence the bread of presence and the blood and i began to pray the glory of god came in that place i mean strong and that's why i love to take communion with you guys even at the beginning of service because we're reverencing the bread of presence we're reverencing the blood of jesus we're making sure that our hearts are right and we're coming up under the blood fresh, and it's through the blood that we have access into the Holy of Holies. 
And so as we walk through the bloody soil with Abraham, I, I want to encourage you this week to not only read Deuteronomy 28, Leviticus 26, but go back again and read, read Genesis 15, 16, 17 and look at how God cut covenant with Abraham. But when those animals were cut in half and their pieces separated, that bloody soil that Abraham walked through, God came down. And the Bible says this, that when God came down and spoke to Abraham, he said, I'm making a covenant between you and I. That the glory of God was so thick that Abraham went into a deep sleep. See, the glory, there's two words, and I know that you're familiar with this, but the first word is kavod. And in the Hebrew, it'd be K-A-V-O-D, the kavod. That implies like a weightiness, a heaviness. How many have felt the heavy presence of God? That's the glory. And see, Abraham, he didn't really, probably wasn't overly familiar with this, but all of a sudden, when God came down and cut covenant, next thing you know, Abraham was getting weak and tired and just went into a deep sleep in that glory. Then there's the other word for the glory is the Shekinah. The Shekinah is the visible like the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. So it's something you see. And it's interesting that when God spoke to Abraham, a, uh, a smoking pot went through. That represents the cloud. And then a torch, a lit torch floated across there. That represents the pillar of fire. And also I would add that not only was that over the tabernacle, but on the day of Pentecost, the Lord said that he, the Holy Spirit will not only be with you, he will be in you. And all of a sudden on the, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell, blew into that upper room as a wind, and tongues of fire came over them. You know what God was saying? Now you are my living, breathing little tabernacles that there's going to be a pillar of fire over you. Hello? And it's interesting because Abraham saw it. He didn't understand it, I'm sure. But he saw the Shekinah. He saw that God was saying that in the future, your people will leave Egypt and I will put my glory in their midst. Is everybody following me? And Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the law did come with glory, but how much more so now the blood of the new covenant, is there a greater glory? And so what he's saying here is this. That the, under the law, there was a glory, and the glory rested in the Holy of Holies, and the glory was kind of felt among the people. But now he's saying the glory can be in and with you on an individual basis. And you can move into that glory realm. And so it is a weightiness and a visibleness of the glory. All right, so the Bible says in Psalms 104 verse 2, that the Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment and stretches out the heavens like a tent. So when Adam and Eve fell, I've shared this a lot, but I think I need to say it right now in this context. When God made Adam and Eve, he made them in his image, and we know that God wraps himself with light. So even though Adam and Eve were nude physically, they weren't completely nude there was like a wrapping of light. There was a glory that was on them. And they felt the weight. Everybody say the weight. They felt the weight of that on them. 
And no doubt in my mind that there was a glow about them too. There was a Shekinah glow. And whenever they sinned, the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory, that glory left. And all of a sudden, they continually all the time felt the weight of that glory on them and it was gone. And they began to, to try to grab something to uh, put that back, something on them to replace that glory. And they end up grabbing a bunch of fig leaves and sewing them together and trying to put something on them. They felt ashamed. They felt an absence of that glory. They, they felt that, the, and of course they could see that, God, I'm sure there was a glow because the Bible says God wraps himself with light. I'm sure that they were wrapped in a light. And now that's gone. And so they felt naked and ashamed. And if you study the Hebrew in there, it says that before they fell, they were naked. And the word there is arom, A-R-O-M, and it means partially nude. But when they actually fell, it says they were naked, and it's arom, E-R-O-M, and it means completely nude. What left them? The glory. And so when God appeared to Abraham and cut covenant, he was saying to Abraham, I'm going to begin to restore back my presence my glory back to my blood covenant people. And in the glory, I'm going to give covenantal promises. And whenever they're in need, my blessings will be on them as such that when they have financial needs, I will come through for them. When they have needs in their health, I will heal them. I will be upon them with my presence and my blessing, and I will cause their needs to be met. I will be with them. Isn't that awesome? And so I want to close with this. Is this making sense tonight? How many have, has this so far been increasing your faith? There's something about meditating on God's word, getting it in your spirit, and speaking it out loud. There's something about that. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth unto salvation, which is not just being born again, but salvation, the word sozo, to save, heal, deliver, protect, preserve, prosper, and make to do and make whole. That's why... We speak to mountains and they move. There's things in your life that's like a mountain, but God wants to move that mountain. Now, one of the great breakthroughs that we need in our lives, because there's many times that we're going to be in situations where we need some kind of an intervention that seems to be stubborn and beyond us. How many have ever felt I've done everything I know to do. I have prayed and fasted. I have believed and confessed. I have other people pray, but it seems like something is so stubborn. How many have ever felt that way? Whether it's about healing finances or believing for a lost, whatever. Well, did you know that there is also in the blood covenant a promise that God will send his angels to our assistance? And when you need a breakthrough, the angels of the Lord can be sent and they will bring a major breakthrough. And let me show you this. In Hebrews 1 verse 13, the writer of Hebrews says this, but to which of the angels did he at any time say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool? And this is what he says. It's what I want to focus on here. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to minister to those who will inherit salvation? You know who those inheriting salvation? That's God's blood covenant people. So the angels are sent 
to minister on behalf of God's blood covenant people. And there's no, this was a scroll, so there's no original chapters one, chapter two. There's no break here. So let's just keep reading straight through. He said, they not all, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to minister to those who inherit salvation? Therefore, we should be more attentive to what we have heard, lest, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken by angels was true, and every sin and disobedience received a just recompense, look at this, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? The word salvation there means to save, heal, and deliver. If you read this in context, and most people don't, and they think it's talking about being born again, if you read this in actual content, you know, context, what it's saying is this. You are God's blood covenant people. You're heirs of salvation. There's times that you're going to need a salvation in your life, meaning you're going to need to be delivered out of trouble. You're going to need a breakthrough. You're going to need a miracle. How will you be able to escape if you neglect such a great salvation where God will send his angels to deliver you? Don't you think about Peter in prison? He was in an impossible situation, but God sent an angel to deliver him out. Don't you think about all these other situations you read about in the Bible where there had to be some kind of a supernatural breakthrough. Part of our covenantal promises are this, that when we're in desperate need, God says, I will send an angel to bring a breakthrough for you. Isn't that awesome? So some of you have lost loved ones. You have people in your life that God is, is, you're believing for them. And maybe they're in a situation where it seems like there's an impossible uh, mountain in front of you. And even in their life, you're wondering how in the world could this ever possibly happen? God can send his angel and make it happen overnight. I've shared this a lot with you guys in River of Life, maybe not on Saturday nights, but I've talked about it. Think about the days of Hezekiah. I mean, he was in a situation where the Assyrian army had surrounded Jerusalem, outnumbered them, cut off their water supply, made threats. It was a dire situation. There was no doubt Hezekiah was going to be killed. Jerusalem was going to be plundered. Hezekiah prays desperately, crying out to God. Isaiah lived in those days. Isaiah the prophet told him, said, God's going to deliver you. Hezekiah lays out their threats, gives it to God, believes God, believes the prophet. And in one night, everybody say one night, God sent an angel, killed 100,000 men. The next morning they woke up. The rest of the men that were there in the military were scared and, and left. They went out and plundered it. So listen, one night, God turned an impossible situation around by sending an angel. And that's happened over and over in scriptures. And think about the days of Lot. I've already mentioned this, but Abraham, God remembered Abraham. He remembered his blood covenant with Abraham. And because of Abraham, he sent an angel and they delivered Lot. Two angels delivered Lot and his family out of Sodom. And then the destruction came. Some of you maybe need to pray this way. Lord, I've done everything I know to do. It's going to take supernatural intervention. I'm your blood covenant, son or daughter of Abraham. Lord, send your angels to bring the breakthrough, and he'll do it. They can go places you can't go and do things you can't do. 
But let me say this, and I close with this. The angels hearken to the word of the Lord. That's why it's so important that, as, for example, the way I do it, not that you have to do it this way, but I take communion, and as I'm taking it, I'm speaking all these different things I've been preaching on over the last three, four weeks. I'm speaking this out loud. I thank you, Lord, that as a son of Abraham, Lord, that the oath and blessings of Abraham are my inheritance. And I quote scriptures about forgiveness of sin, about healing and deliverance, about the blessings of Abraham, etc. And listen, the Bible says that the angels of the Lord hearken to the word of the Lord. As the, there, as the word of God is going out and you're speaking the word, they enforce God's word. They're not where you can tell them what to do. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is this. They respond to God's word. And they will honor God's word and they will enforce God's word. So if God's word is being believed and spoken as a blood covenant child of God and you're believing the word of God and you're speaking it and the devil is resisting the word, the angel will step in and say, no, that's what God said and that's going to be what happens. And that angel will push it through. So it's the word of God. And let me add this. If it's a true prophecy, that's also the word of God, but it's going to have to be a true prophecy. But as you believe the true prophetic word, the angels will enforce that because it is the actual word of God. You understand what I'm saying? So let God begin to minister to you about this area that he sends his angels to minister unto us as there's a salvation. If you have wayward children, God will send his angels to begin to move their life in the right direction. These angels can drive back darkness and they can help bring the breakthroughs in the spiritual realm that will help people come to know the Lord. And in fact, Matthew 13, 39, the end of the age is the harvest and the harvesters are the angels. So the angels are very instrumental in supernatural harvest coming in. Have you ever thought about that? They are instrumental. They work with the harvest coming in. How do they do it? They help clear away hell's influence. They help line up divine, divine appointments. They help people be in the right place where they can hear the gospel. You see what I'm saying? There was even a story at Brownsville where this guy came and he was telling the story that he was there. He had, he had gotten into witchcraft and drugs and he was just inside the building and the altar call came and he was just sitting there and he said i promise this is true he said i felt two arms go up under my armpits and pick me up and next thing i know i'm face first in the altar who drug him down there and threw him in the altar the angel did and so there's so many stories like that they're instrumental in helping bring in the harvest so tonight, if you're dealing with stubborn situations, don't be surprised if you'll believe God and keep speaking his word that God doesn't send his angels to push through those stubborn circumstances. They will be able to move it out of the way. So Lord, I thank you for your word tonight. I want to go ahead and close this out. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for hearing and answering the prayers over this time. Lord, strengthen our faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.